Anybody feeling anxious yet? It's like, what is going on, right? Where's the preacher? At 9 a.m., I told the staff that I was going to be um, delaying the lesson. And so everything got quiet, and all of a sudden you heard murmuring in the overflow room. There were a couple of different jokes that were made, and some people thought it was kind of like college. You know, if the professor doesn't show up by a certain time, you can get up and leave. And then all of a sudden, one of our elders, Tim Edmonds, boy, he jumped up and he came running out into the hallway. And man, you, if you could have seen the look on his face as he turned the corner, he's like, oh, all right. I don't know, Tim, if you thought you were going to have to preach or something. You know, we do not like, man, we don't like to wait. And when we have to wait on something that we are expecting, it makes it even worse and the anxiety begins to build. You know, we have been waiting to add to our youth ministry team, and I know that it was uh, announced earlier how that uh, Kristen Adair is going to be coming to, uh, to be a part and join, to join Sean and the rest of that uh, team. Uh, what's kind of funny is that we make the announcement today, and the majority of our teens are over in our children's center helping with kids' praise today. So they have been waiting, and they have been anxious, and we decided, hey, let's announce it on a day that they're not in the auditorium. Yes, that's the way we're going to do it. Oh, they have a feed over there. They're hearing about it as well. And so we're excited. Uh, be in prayer for Kristen as she's going to be finishing up at Harding and as she's going to be coming uh, here to join us uh, this summer. And we really, we are looking forward. We're looking forward to that. There was a little kid that was in a department store. He was standing in front of the escalator and he stood there for a number of minutes. And finally, an adult walked up and said, uh, excuse me, son, is everything okay? Are you lost? Can I help you? And he says, no, I'm just waiting for my chewing gum to come back around. Like, kids can wait, okay, when there's something that, that gets their attention and it's something that really um, intrigues them. But we have a hard time. We have a hard time being that person and, and being able to wait for the chewing gum. It's just so hard for us. And there have been so many things, especially over the last 12 months, where we have been having to wait even more than, than we've been used to. You know, when you were a kid, you waited with excitement. You couldn't wait till school started. And then once school started, you couldn't wait until it was all over. And then you could not wait to get married. And then you couldn't wait to have kids. And it just seems like everything is just wait, 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 wait. We wait in traffic. You guys are learning how to wait on Zoom calls and what that looks like and how that works. And did you hear that Walmart is cutting back staff? And so you're going to be waiting on automated checkouts now? Yeah, isn't that great? Everybody's really excited about that, I've heard. And we wait at the doctor's office. We, we wait when it comes to irritating people in our lives. And we just, but we hate it because we are the now generation. And have you ever noticed that when you go out to a restaurant, the more expensive the restaurant is, the longer that you have to wait? Have you noticed that? Think about the different five ways you wait when you go to a restaurant. You wait to get a seat. Then you wait to get the menu. Then you wait to order. And then you wait for the food. And then you wait for the bill. And they have the audacity to call the person that brings you the food the waiter, right? I mean, they're not the waiter. You are the waiter. You are the one that is waiting all the time. And so here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to go back to James. We're, we're in a study called Difference Makers. And it's part of our living room series where we're just looking at some lessons that, that really hit us where we live. And so we're going to be... We're going to be here in James again, James chapter 5, and we're going to let James show us how to wait for the chewing gum in life. 
Because with all this waiting, we could all use, as Guns N' Roses told us years ago, a little patience. Now, I know some of you, you tried to tell your parents, Guns N' Roses, they're a great group, and man, they're awesome, and your parents were a little skeptical. And now you can call them back up and say, the preacher talked about Guns N' Roses today, and we all need a little patience. We do, we need patience in our life, right? So James chapter 5, he uses the word patience or perseverance six times. And he uses three different illustrations to teach us when we need to be patient, why we need to be patient, and then also how to be patient. So let's kick off with the first one. When, when is it that we need a little extra dose of patience and perseverance in our life? Well, the first thing that James is going to point out is that when circumstances are uncontrollable, and I think the last 12 months, if anything, have reminded us of just how much of our life is beyond our control. We want to be able to put our thumb on each and every aspect of our life, but it's just not possible. And so James uses the illustration of a farmer that goes out and, and plants his crop, and then he has to wait and deal with circumstances that are uncontrollable. Look at verse 7. Consider the farmer who patiently waits for the rain in the fall and in the spring, they eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too, James says, must be patient. Part of the job description for anyone who works the land is you've got to do a lot of waiting. You wait, and then you plant, and then you wait, and then you prune. And, and with the job, there's all these different factors that the farmer has no control over. Can't control the weather. Can't control if it's going to rain or can't control the, the temperature. You can't control the economy. You cannot control labor practices. You deal with all kinds of these outside factors. And James said, look, it's not just the farmer. It's you. It's everybody. We all deal with these uncontrollable circumstances. But have you noticed that even though when circumstances are out of your control, you still try to control them anyway by worrying? Now, think about it for a minute. To worry about something that you can change is just dumb, right? Because if you can change it, well, go change it. Don't worry about it. And if you're going to worry about something that you cannot change, well, well, that's just useless. So either way, you don't worry. Instead, James would say you need to have patience in those uncontrollable circumstances. And also patience when people are unchangeable. Have you figured out yet that people don't like change? Right? No, no, no new news for you there, right? I mean, you know that people don't like change. You know church people don't like change. You, you know that we just have a difficult time when anything is out of whack, when all of a sudden the preacher doesn't come in right on cue when everything's supposed to go on. What's going on? What's happening? Somebody go, look, we've got to do something about this. James says, well, look to the prophets. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Now think about the duty of the prophets. Think about their duty. To help people change. To help people turn back to God. To have a different behavior. And yet we resist that kind of change so much. Even the tiny little suggestion. I mean, you live with people in your life like this, right? In fact, right now, as we're talking about this, you were thinking about a spouse, you're thinking about a child, you're thinking about a parent, you're thinking about a coworker, and guess what? They are also thinking about you. They are. They're thinking right now about you because we, all of us, have a difficulty when it comes to any kind of changes that come along. We resist it. James says you've got to have patience. 
Now the word for patience in Greek is the word macrothumos. Macro meaning long. Thumos is where we get our thermometer word. It means heat. And so you've heard this before, how it, patience is all about, well, it takes you a long time to get hot. It takes you a long time to boil over. You've got a long fuse. And look, if you want to make a difference in the world that you are living in, if you want to make a difference at home, at work, at school, you be the person that shows patience. You be the person that doesn't blow your top. You be the person that has the long fuse. You do that, and you will stand out because everybody else is all upset. Everybody else is mad about something. Everyone else is having to wait on something. Everyone else is filled with anxiety and allowing that anxiety to dictate how they act. But you, you don't be one of those people that's unchangeable. You have patience. If you're going to be a parent, you've got to have a long fuse. Grandparents, you cannot get overheated. James says you need patience when circumstances are uncontrollable. You need patience when people are unchangeable. And you also need patience when problems are unexplainable. For this one, he points us to Job, verse 11. You have heard of Job's perseverance. Now, Job played in the Super Bowl of suffering, and he won more championships than Tom Brady. He had everything going for him, and then in a two-day period, he lost all of his finances. He lost his family, except a wonderful, encouraging wife. And he ends up having this deadly disease that was so painful for him. And, and yet, with all of these problems, he never gets an answer initially from God. He goes through all of these things happening, and for the first 37 chapters in the book of Job, he gets nothing from God. No reason, no understanding, and of all this, you find a guy that in the midst of the unexplainable never says, why me? Why me? God, life's not fair. I mean, why me? Because I have served you faithfully. Why me, God? Because, man, I am a good steward. Why me? I've tried to raise up my kids in a way that would honor you. Why, why me? I've tried to do everything that you've asked. Why me? Guys, a lot of things just don't make sense. A lot of things are unexplainable. And there are some questions that we will never get the answer to this side of eternity. Job didn't understand and all the unexplained problems, and yet he maintained his faith. And sometimes we just can't figure out our own problems. And those circumstances, they're just uncontrollable. And we wonder why, and the people are unchangeable. And we're like, man, why does this have to be going on right now in my life? And we wait, and there's crickets. And we get nothing. And James says, be patient. And we go, why? I mean, why be patient? I don't want to be patient. I want to be loud. And I don't want to be patient. I want to get something done. And, and I don't want to be patient. I want to make sure that things happen on my schedule in the way that I want them to. Why be patient? And James says, because God is in control. God's in control. You don't believe me? Go ahead. You die today and see if things keep going on without you. God's in control. In verse 8 he says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And there's three different times in this passage that James says, hey, Jesus is coming back. And he uses this promise as the ultimate proof that God is in control. You might not realize this, but there's actually more said about the second coming of Jesus than about his first coming. 
You see, God is in control of history, and he's got all the future planned out, and everything is on his schedule, and nothing is late, and it's all moving toward a very specific climax when Jesus returns and there will be justice for creation. And James says, God's in control. Everything's moving in the way that God wants it to. And the purpose that he has for your life is greater than any problem that you might be experiencing right now. And I know some of you are experiencing a real delay right now, but God's delays never thwart his purpose. So be patient. And be excited. Be excited because God will reward your endurance. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered, he said in the beginning of verse 11. You read through the life of Job and you realize that when you come to the end of his story, that he actually received double blessing, as we would kind of look at blessings, than what he had the first half of his life. God doubled everything that he had. It pays to be patient. There, there are rewards. Because of patience, your character grows. You get along with people better. You're happier when you are more patient. You reach your goals. There are a lot of different benefits. God rewards you for persevering. But it's not just on this side of eternity. I want you to listen to what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, he says, because great is your reward in heaven. When people put you down and when they criticize you, the message from James and the message from Scripture is, look, be patient because there's a reward that's coming. Now, nobody likes to get criticized. Nobody likes for people to talk about them. Nobody, nobody likes to, to get that phone call from the boss that says, hey, I got a, got a bone to pick with you, right? Nobody, nobody likes it when people say, hey, listen, um, I love you, but, you know, nobody likes it when, I mean, everybody's got a but. Think about that as you're leaving. Everybody's got one of those where they just say, I love you, but, I mean, here's what I really want to tell you. We don't like it. But there's a reward that's coming. Our natural tendency is to say, you know what? If you're going to criticize me, then I'm going to criticize you. And if you're going to lash out at me, then I'm going to lash out at you. You write something online, I'm going to clap back. And I'm going to let you know that I don't appreciate what it is that you were saying. And I'm going to put you in your place. And I'm going to be critical of you. And I'm going to insult you. Because revenge and retaliation are just natural responses. But guys, they're the opposite of patience. James says the next time that someone criticizes you, before you strike back, think about, think about if it's worth giving up the reward that God has planned for you. Is you getting in that final word, is you making them feel the burn, is that enough to give up the reward that God said is waiting for those who endure criticism, persecution, especially because they're standing up for Jesus Christ? See, we need patience because God is in control and he's going to reward that patience. But James is going to say you also, you also need to be patient because God is working things out. God's going to work things out. He's in that process. At the end of verse 11, he said, you've heard of Job's perseverance and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. You see, all the time that Job was wondering, why is this happening? God was working. While no answers were coming, God was working. And a delay does not mean a denial. 
If you've been praying for an answer and you haven't gotten one, and you think, well, God just isn't going to respond, understand, delay is not denial. God is at work even when you don't know what's going on. And our hands, there are times when our hands are tied because the situation is uncontrollable and the people are unchangeable. And I can't explain anything that's taking place, but guess what? It's not the same way for God because there's nothing out of God's control. And there's no one that cannot be changed by the Spirit of God. And there's nothing that God can't ultimately explain. You see, when you do not understand what the hands of God are doing, we must be patient and trust his heart. So why not in advance thank God for working behind the scenes? Think about that farmer who has to go out and, and plant, expecting that harvest and waiting and waiting, but knowing that God is working, causing it to grow, creating the just right conditions. Philippians chapter 2.13, God is at work within you. Maybe you can't see it, but he is there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, we know that in all things God is working in every circumstance of your life. So be patient. And I don't know what kind of problem you're having this week. I don't know what this last month has been like. And maybe there's issues, financial, relational. Maybe there, there are health issues that you're having to deal with right now. But God is working in that problem. And he asks you to be patient and to trust him. <laughs> it's like, man, yeah, that's great, Chris. Be patient and trust him. And yet we've got bills to pay, and you tell me to be patient and trust, and, and yet I'm having to take care of my spouse who has dementia. Be patient and trust, but I don't know what we're going to do as our parents continue to age. Be patient and trust, but, but I've got kids that are just going off in the wrong direction. <laughs> and you want me to wait on God in the midst of this? Here's what James says. While God is working... We should wait expectantly. Let me tell you what this means. You need to expect the harvest from God and believe that it is inevitable. Think about the farmer who's waiting on the Lord. They don't just sit around and update their Instagram, right? You, you don't just say, hey, plant the seed today. Now I'm taking it easy. No, what are they doing? They're preparing for the answer. They're getting ready. Waiting is the time for preparation, which shows your expectation. You're getting ready in advance. Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait expectantly, trusting God to help, for he is promised. What is it that you are waiting for from God? Now look, maybe it is some type of healing from a long-term illness, or to transform your marriage, or to reverse some financial issues that are going on. Do you actually expect him to do so? If so, well, prepare yourself for the answer. And let me put this a different way. If you were to receive the answer today for the issue that you have been praying about for the last year, would you be ready? Would you be ready for it? Preparing demonstrates expectation. And guys, a lot of times when I'm waiting on God, he's really waiting on me. I mean, he was ready a long time ago to give me the answer that I was looking for, but I was not ready to receive it. And he's saying, look, Chris, I need you to grow up. I need you to get some spiritual depth in your life. I want to bless you, but you can't handle it right now. You're a spiritual pipsqueak, and, and I need you to get some spiritual muscle on you so that you can deal with what's taking place right now in your life. 
see, waiting is a time for me to get ready. Waiting is a time for preparation. Jesus waited 30 years before he began his ministry. Think about that. 30 years for a three-year window that radically changed the world. The prophet Isaiah reminded us that the Lord says, no one who waits for my help will be disappointed. So we wait expectantly. And then it would be a great idea, guys, if we would just wait quietly. Wait quietly. James points out the fact that we have a tendency to run off at the mouth. Anybody found that to be true? Don't talk about your spouse that way. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right now. All right? There were some people online right now who were looking over at their spouse like, uh-huh, glad you're up this morning watching this. Look, when we get tense and when we get put under pressure, the anxiety builds, and oftentimes we just want to let everybody know how we're feeling. We want to let everybody know that we're not in control. And James says, look, you're going to have to avoid this. And so he writes, don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, because you'll be judged. Now think about it. Why right in the middle in a lesson on patience does James all of a sudden say, stop griping at one another? It's like it doesn't fit. But it fits in your living room, doesn't it? It fits in your house. Because you get impatient. And you begin to moan and you begin to complain and you begin to grumble and you begin to mumble. And some of you, when you get up, you rise and whine and you hit hit the ground griping and complaining and everything is bad and, and you come home at night dog tired because you've been growling all day long and everybody else just has to take it. Everybody else in the family, they just have to take it because after all, you said I do, right? You're my kids. Hey, you're my parents, so you just have to take whatever it is that I give you and I'm tired of waiting and I'm anxious right now and so I'm going to gripe because I'm frustrated, I'm in, impatient. And James says, look, stop it. I love Lamentations 3, verse 26. It says, it is good to wait in silence. It is good to wait in silence for the salvation of the Lord. See, when things don't go as planned, we look around and we find someone to blame. And so we'll blame our spouse or the work team, or parents, or teachers, or friends, or even God. We need patience so that we can wait quietly. And we got to wait expectantly. And James gives us one more. He says, while you're waiting, why don't you wait confidently? Why don't you wait as children of God? You know, Job never lost his confidence in all that he did. When our outlook is bad, we need to look up. The prophet Micah declared, I will wait confidently for God. When we have a problem that's unexplainable, when we have people who are unchangeable, a circumstance that is uncontrollable, then we are called by Scripture to wait confidently, understanding that God is working, that, that God is doing something behind the scenes. And so what does this look like then in my life? Well, the anxiety level comes down. I'm not as nervous. I don't try to take matters into my own hands. In fact, what I do is take to heart the words of Psalm 37 and verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. So where do you need patience this morning, guys? Where do you need it the most? Do you have an uncontrollable circumstance right now in your life? 
don't know, maybe, maybe it's your job right now. You've got a situation where you've got a boss who has told you to do something that is just beyond your control and you don't know how you're going to do it. You don't know how you're going to get it done. Maybe you've had a financial reversal that was just beyond your control. Maybe you do have that long-term illness that I mentioned. You know, so much of our lives have been beyond our control during these last 12 months. And we have tried to, and we failed, to avoid an invisible virus. We've been forced to, to work and learn and, and worship from home. And, and I've talked to many of you who, I mean, you, you've done everything right. I mean, you've stayed in and, and you've washed your hands and you've hoarded toilet paper and, and you've avoided all of those, all those other people that carry all those germs. And, and, and you, you've done everything right. And yet you still got sick. And it's frustrating. We've had to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and holidays from a distance. And we've had to grieve death and loss from that same distance. So many things have changed. And try as we might to find normalcy, we just haven't been able to control a single thing. It's like, ugh, just give me one thing that I can control. And what we've tried to do, because we could not control the circumstances around us, there have been many of us who have tried to control the people who live with us. Those few people that we do interact with, the few people that we do see, those Zoom calls that we have, that small group that we're part of, all of a sudden the impatience and all the waiting just comes boiling out and all of the anger and we've tried to control those who are closest to us and we love the most. And you know what we found out? We've got unchangeable people in our lives. And that's made us even more anxious, even more frustrated. And you know what? You try to tell your kids to do something and they don't do it. It doesn't matter what their age, it doesn't matter if they're still at home or if they're raising kids on their own. There's a frustration when you're trying to offer guidance and you're trying to offer some help and they won't listen. Or you're trying to help get your marriage to work better and you're willing to change but your spouse is like, no, nah, I don't see the use. I don't see the need. I don't have anything to change. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you've got a parent that's, that's growing older and their idiosyncrasies are coming out and, and they're dependent on you. And it's frustrating when you've got that difficult coworker that every time they're around, they cause problems. And everybody's like, Frank's here. Hey, Frank's here. Oh, Frank. Maybe you need patience with unexplainable problems. So many questions and very few answers. Well, James has told us that God is in control and that nothing is beyond his power and that his purpose is greater than any problem that we're currently experiencing. And we know that God... Well, he rewards our patience, and if not in this life, and in eternity, and, and he's working behind the scenes for a purpose. And so, you know what? Maybe what you need to do this morning, maybe the best thing that you could do is that you could leave here, and you could leave our campus, and you could just go home, and you could just sit down in the living room, or, or maybe you're watching us online this morning, and, and, and after we cut things off, you just need to stay right there on your couch. And that couch becomes your prayer closet. And you just say, God, I need patience. Because I feel like I'm going crazy. Waiting till the day that I can get out. Waiting till the day that I can hug somebody again. Waiting till the day that, that things seem a little bit more normal. 
And maybe we need to pray, God, I've got unchangeable people in my life and, and, and it's really bothering me and I don't know what to do. And, but God, help me, to, help me to wait expectantly, knowing that you're listening and that you see what's going on. And Father, give me a quiet spirit and also give me a quiet mouth so that I'm not hurting those who are around me. And build my confidence, Lord, so that I am reminded that, that you're working in this situation and that, that, that you are active and that you are involved. You need to go home and you need to pray that you would be like the farmer. That you would trust that once the seed is planted that he's going to give the increase. Everybody needs a little patience. Pastor walked outside of church one day and he walked down the street and there on the, there on the sidewalk was a lady with her flowers. She was there every single week and he had this pattern. He he would leave worship and he would go and he would say hello to her. He would give her a dollar. He would take a flower. He would put it in his lapel. And he would always ask, how are you doing? And she always had the same response. She said, I'm wonderful. Well, finally, one day the pastor looked at her and said, look, I know that you can't be wonderful every time I see you. She said, everybody's not wonderful. She said, so tell me, be honest. Come on. What's going on? How are you? And she said, no, really? She said, I'm wonderful. She said, I, I've got problems. He said, I probably have problems more than most. He said, well, what's your secret? He said, why is it whenever I ask you, you always say you're doing wonderful and it's not a lie, it's the truth? And she said, well, pastor, you know, because you talk about it every year. He said, well, tell me. She said, you know what happened to Jesus on Good Friday? She said, you know how the, the sky turned dark and how everything looked hopeless and lost? She said, that happens to me a lot. She said, I have a lot of Good Fridays. I have a lot of times where everything is out of control and I have a lot of times where people don't come by my shop here and I wonder how I'm going to make it financially. And, and I've just got a lot of moments where it seems like that this is going to be the last day of my life. She said, but then I wait three days. And there's a resurrection. So you ask me how I'm doing, Pastor. I'm wonderful. She said, because today either I'm experiencing the resurrection or I'm waiting for it. Church, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know how painful and hard these last 12 months have been. But be patient because your resurrection is coming. Wait for it. Father, we need, we need your spirit in our life to increase the patience that we have. Because we're tired of waiting. There's so many things that are out of control, so many things we cannot change, and so many questions that we have about why things happen the way that they happen. And our patience bucket is just empty. And so because of that, we fly off the handle, and we are irritable, and we are grumpy, and we are griping. And Father, our faith is suffering. Thank you for the words from James. Thank you for reminding us that there is patience 
And there's a benefit to it. Thank you for reminding us today that you are in control and that that everything is moving toward a climax. And Father, thank you for again putting into our mind the resurrection of your Son. We share, we share in that truth each week when we take communion together, but Father, we need, we need to continue to be reminded that resurrection is something that can happen each and every day in our life. And I know, Father, that there are people here right now that are in the midst of their own Good Friday. There are people who are watching right now who things are dark still. And I don't know if it's going to take a day or three days or three months, Father, or three years. But we rely on the promise that there's a resurrection that's coming. And we stake our hope on that because of the resurrection of your son. And so until we experience resurrection in our life, until we are able, until we are able, Father, to truly put this world away, may we rest patiently in you. Thank you for being patient with us, for listening to our gripes and our grumbles. Thank you for not walking away from us when we have been unchangeable. Father, may we have more of your spirit about us. And may we claim the resurrection every single day while we patiently wait. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you for waiting, church. Let's encourage one another with song, Derek.